0: Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company,
1: Golden, Colorado. to get by Benny. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets center. Perry! Stupid! Corey Perry! Oh, you're able to take away from Salonian. Skips away to Solani.
0: Here we are, Ed. It's the Forever Mighty Post Game Show, and we've got back to back losses to talk about. Welcome, everybody, live on Twitch who is here to talk about this game tonight. All I got to say, man, is burn it down. Burn the whole thing down. Uh, fire Dallas Akins. I think we <laughs> okay. definitely need to trade Andre right. Kasha for a, uh, you know, Probably Justin Dan Hamuse. No, Dan Hamu seems more like it. He he played well tonight for the Preds, well, why clearly. Did we do Dan I don't know. Spisa. I just I just oh and we just got spisa. Yeah, that's true too. Hey man, don't don't give away what we're gonna talk about later. We've got to talk about the downfall of this team. Yeah, that's pretty much Ducks Twitter, uh, ladies and gentlemen. That's that's what it is tonight. Um yeah. it's not what you're gonna hear tonight. The Ducks did fall in big fashion to the Nashville Predators, six to one across the scoreboard. Um, in Nashville too, but uh it didn't feel like that for a lot of the game. So if you're listening to this and you're expecting a uh you know, a a, a just a just a rant on how much we don't like this team, basically last season, that was last year. We we yeah.
1: exhausted all of that Not in, in eighty two podcasts last year. <laughs>
0: eighty two. <laughs> hey man, they fired Randy Carlyle into the sun with plenty of time for Bob Murray to have some good games. How dare you?
1: All right, fair enough. And we didn't do 82 podcasts last year either, so...
0: <laughs> we came close. We were in the 70s. We were in the 70s. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> so welcome, everybody. Um, lots of things to unpack tonight. But uh, as we just said, the Ducks lost to the Predators 6-1. to Ed, um, how did you feel going into this game before you saw the starting lineup uh, for the Ducks?
1: Uh, yeah, we, we talked about on the last show how this was... What we thought would be maybe one of the easier games. I think actually you said it'd be one of the tougher games. You said you said it would be one of the tougher games of this road trip. I I thought it might be one of the easier ones. I know going into Nashville is never easy, and the Preds were three one and one at home so far, three zero and one I think at home so far, but. Yeah, it, it looked all right. Then you see the lineup, and you, and you see that Max Jones and Maxime Comtois were scratched. I think we figured one of them would be, uh, but not both of them. We were both looking forward to Comtois playing with uh, Steele and Troy Terry in this game, and that didn't end up happening. And uh, Philip Forsberg was out for Nashville, too, which is, uh, I, I mean, I guess the, the Preds in general, and most of them are notorious Duck killers, but Philip Forsberg always seems to have a chip on his shoulder when he plays the yep. Ducks, so him being out seemed like it'd be a good omen for the Ducks, but... Man, Victor Iverson Colton Sissons, like, you know, pretty much everybody was on for the Pred tonight.
0: As well was the, I don't know, opportunistic plays by the Nashville Predators. I felt like the Ducks didn't give him the game, but it, it just felt like the Preds made good on their grade A scoring chances when they mattered. And that's something you want from your team. That's what you want to move for. And I guess what that comes down to there is the Ducks didn't get the goaltending that they're used to getting. Am I wrong there? Um Sure. I mean, maybe Gibson was wanted back a couple of those goals, but uh, I think the Preds, you know, really make good of their chances.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, you look at the scoring chances at the end, they're pretty even throughout the entire game. High danger chances were even. Shot attempts, the Ducks actually won that battle in shot attempts, which is... I don't know when the last time we probably beat the Preds and shot attempts the way the Predators have played over the last couple seasons. So it, it was more even when you look at the numbers after the game. Uh, and it was some bad mistakes from the Ducks. They took it, I think it was six or seven penalties in this game. Only six. one power play goal for the Preds. But it's really hard to get any momentum when you're sitting in the penalty box and taking stupid penalties for, for most of the game. So you know, you got to give credit to to, for, to the Preds for taking uh, – taking out their opportunities when they get them you know Colton Sisson comes out of the box and he snipes one oh. on top shelf and At home makes us pay shorthanded on, on a turnover from Getzlaff and Lindholm not communicating like these are you know, these are goals where they they ended up taking their chances taking their opportunities the goalies left tongue out to dry a little bit here but you know, the, the Preds really you know they didn't get as many chances as you'd expect in this game and they pretty much took their chances when they came. What
0: do you think of Nick DeLaurier being in the lineup? No Maxime Comtois, no Max Jones, <laughs> no Max allowed tonight on the ice at all. Uh, in fact, it's Nick Ritchie who gets top-line minutes with Ryan Getzloff and Andre Kasha.
1: Oh, I think we thought Nick Ritchie was going to get top-line. Because at the end of last game, it was Nick Ritchie who got bumped up with Getzlaff and Kasha, and Maxime Comtois got bumped down with uh, Steele and Terry. So I'm not as surprised that Ritchie is up with Getzlaf and Cash, I was just surprised that Maxine Comtois was was scratched. I thought Deloria would go out, Shore would come in, and then either Shore or Richie would play on the top line. The other one would play on on the fourth line, and then Comtois would be playing with Steele and Terry the, the way they were playing at the end of the game in the Calgary game. And yeah. uh, for some reason, uh, Maxine Comtois ends up getting scratched as well as Max Jones. Uh, it's weird to see them both scratched. I think one of them's going to go down. So, I would like to see at least one of them get playing time so you can kind of make that decision and decide who you want to stay up. So, interesting choice because I, I don't know why, you know, maybe because Nick Delorier was scratched for more games than those two. Like, at Talon's you can say last game, he's just trying to get guys effort. in the lineup and, and get some reps. But, man, I don't see at this point, you know, not that Nick Delorie has played awful, but how do you not put Maxim Comtois in the lineup just to explore that line the way they played at the end of the last game?
0: How does it help? How does putting Nick Delorie in your lineup help your team at all? I mean, I know that when this when this signing happened over the summer, we were kind of like, it's not really that big of a deal. He's going to get a limited roll, limited minutes. But with that log jam on wing, it's kind of affected the Ducks in the early going, would, would you not say? And then also what we, you and I haven't really talked about on these postgame shows, and, and neither has Jason and I, is, is the lack of scratching of uh, of Derek Grant. Like, why is this not changing up in the lower... Uh, you know, on the lower lines, on the lower minute players. I mean, I really feel like they should be giving the kids more of an opportunity here rather than a Nick Delaurier or even Derek Grant. I mean I think Derek, I think that uh that Devin Shore is a better player than Derek Grant, and then clearly there's better wingers than Nick Delaurier.
1: I think the the reason reasoning for Derek Grant is yes, Devin Shore can play center. But Derek Grant's been among the Ducks' best faceoff men this season. Oh, and I think there, there's Thanks, there's man. still some value Matt. in that. There's, there's still some value in that. And obviously the coaches <laughs> still see some value in that and why they don't want to take Grant out of the lineup. And he hasn't been bad. But, you know, you can put Devin Shore in there, but he's not the best center. That's why he's been utilized on the left wing for the Ducks so far. And, and you know, you look at all the scratches recently. Jones, Comtois, Richie, Delorie, Devin Shore, they're all left-wingers for the Ducks. Yep. And that's because there's that massive... Log jam on left wing, so you're going to have to scratch some of those guys. I don't think any of the right wings have been scratched, because there are four solidified right wings for this team, yep. and none of the centers have been scratched, because once Sam Steele came back, it's Getzlaff, Henrik Steele, and, and Derek Grant. That's all they have. So right now, you know, if you look forward until somebody gets sent down, and even after that, the guys who are going to get scratched, barring, you know, injury or, you know, guys bad game, makes mistake, whatever, suspension, then it's going to be one of those five guys who get scratched on the left side, and, and Shore and Richie, Comtois, Delorier, or Jones. And, you know, once one of Comtois Jones gets sent down, it makes it a little bit easier, but it's still going to be a rotation between, you know, those four guys that are left up.
0: I mean, the chat's trying to chew me up and spit me out here about Derek Grant saying he's better right now. I, I'm not buying. He's it. not
1: been bad, man. He's not okay. been that bad. Okay,
0: he, he, he's he a fourth liner. Had,
1: what do you expect from him,
0: though? What I, what I expect is there to be a better player than him slotted into the lineup. I'm just saying. I think I think Devin Shore is a better hockey player than sure. Derek Grant. That's how I feel about it. Just the way it is. I mean, um, you
1: could you could roll like I still think one of Max Jones who come to us. You could send down and not play in the fourth line. So then what? Are you, you're you're taking out Deloria. You're taking out Grant. You're putting in Comtois and you're putting in, uh, I guess, Max Jones for now or Devin Shore. Devon Shore was in tonight, so it's just Comtois who's out. So you just throw Devin Shore in the fourth line and put Comtois on that third line and roll like that or put Nick Ritchie down on the on the fourth line and throw Devin Shore up to the top line. I, I get it. It's definitely an increase. But is it that much of an increase to get upset about Devin Shore? Is he that much of a better player than Derek Grant that it's hurting the Ducks for having grant out out there over devon Shore,
0: i'm just saying if you're gonna roll four lines you better put skill as much as you can and leave guys like delorio off i understand grant's not been a liability but uh i still think that having two guys you uh, name max jones and maxim comtois off the roster tonight is just kind of a problem especially with what we saw with the kid line last game with steel terry and comtois i was very happy with that line uh, and Troy Terry again, even in this six-one loss tonight, Ed, I really felt that he he pushed through and had a great game. I think he really did. He really, really did. People got on him for missing that penalty shot,
1: but I mean, uh,
0: dude, <laughs> it's gonna happen. And, and people <laughs> yeah. miss penalty shots. My God, I mean, they He's Ducks built this whole ball. hype
1: off off, uh, off scoring on shootouts, right? In, yeah. the, in the World Juniors. So, but I man, he's gotten better, right? He's still not. I don't think he's still at where I thought or hoped that he'd be at this point. Uh, but he's he is looking better he's getting his chances but yeah I mean I mean none of really any of the young guys have stepped up this year and, and you know all in the off season that we were really talking about there's a lot of ifs for the ducks this year and, and the main one is if the young kids can step up and produce points and none of them really have you know Sam Steele I think has looked the best out of all of them I really like what he's been able to do he's getting some time on the power play and-
0: over Troy Terry
1: I think Sam Steele's looked the best out of all of them. I I really like how he's looked since coming into the lineup. I think he looks comfortable. He looks like he belongs there. And, And if some guys could finish or if he could finish on a couple of the chances that have been given to him or that he's given to other players, then he'd have a lot more points right now. I can't really say the same for Troy Terry. Maybe you can say the same for a little bit for Maxim Comtoir because the last couple of games he's played in, he's had some very good scoring chances and he set up some players, including Max Steele, who missed a net, uh, missed a one timer in the last game against Calgary. But Max Jones, I haven't seen enough of him play to really make a judgment call on that. And, and Troy Terry, I just, I, I was expecting more. And, and you know, Dave, Dave in the chat agrees with me. The Steels look the best to him, too. I just, I think he looks the most comfortable. And the most dangerous on the ice, out of you know come Comtois, Jones, and Terry.
0: I mean, is it is it really Boxing Day in our chat or what? Everyone's siding with the Canadians, and I don't get it. Um, I think it's everyone's on your on your team. Bed, I'm not sure what they're watching. Uh, I like Steele, and, and you know, all joking aside, Steele's looked really good. He really has. Uh, I mean, I guess you could take either Max, either one of them, and say that uh, they need to prove themselves a little more before you give them more ice time. And give them more time um, playing in the upper echelon of minutes, but I, I still don't see the fit for Nick Delorier. I, I, I don't get it. That I don't like. Um, let's move on here real quick. What is going on with Gouli? Do we know anything else? It's like what pertains to his injury? A lower because, body injury. That's it, it, yeah. it. It's brutal. It's not been good for the Ducks at all. I mean, he, he's sorely they missed, missed on that him. blue line. Yeah. Very much so.
1: Yeah. Just, and, and it's not like he has this presence where he just makes the blue line that much better that they're missing him. But he just kind of brings consistency to the top two pairings that they don't have right now. Because right now, Lindholm and Manson are pretty much getting thrown out there for every hard shift in every game. And it's clearly hurting Josh Manson's game right now. And even happens Lindholm. The mistakes boy. that both of those guys are making right now, there there's no there's no secondary option to go to after those guys. So the opposing team's best line goes out there. Dallas Eakins is likely calling on Hampus Lindholm, Josh Manson. And, uh, you know, you get a faceoff in your own zone, and you get, a, you get a line change out there, and it's late in the game. Then Lindholm and Manson are out there. You don't have that option of Gouley and Fowler right now, and I think it's you can see it on the ice in the on-ice product, especially from Josh Manson, but even Hampus Lindholm. You know, the last three or four games from him haven't been great in the mistakes and the turnovers that he's making. Uh, mis- miscommunication with Getzlaff tonight led to that shorthanded goal by Matthias Dechholm. So I think you know in that sense, Gooley being in the lineup is a huge upgrade and a huge benefit for the Ducks just to take some pressure off Hampus Lindholm and Josh Manson and and free up you know some of the time and space that they're going to be able to get on the ice. And then you have that secondary option, that consistent option, because we know Gooley and Fowler together are great and they work well. You know, having that second option is is, is going to be very good because right now you know you have to put either Otto or Holzer as mm-hmm. your second unit out there with Cam Fowler and then, you know, Jakob Larson and, and I think Kubernetes Holtz have been paired together. They haven't been bad, and that's an okay, you know, third option to have. But you don't want one of those three guys up there with Cam Fowler. You want Brendan Gouley the way he and, and Fowler have kind of got that chemistry going.
0: No, I agree with you. And it, it just kind of goes to your point of what you were saying, and I think they've even said it on a recent broadcast. They were talking about how um, the deployment of Hampus Lindholm and Josh Manson's really been heavily th- – towards the, the, the top-end lines on the other teams. And so that gives more of that free-wheel offensive talent of Cam Fowler and Brendan Gooley the chance to thrive. And And without Gooley in the lineup, it just doesn't do it for us. It just – I mean, Cam Fowler can't play the same kind of game. He just can't do it. And, and you have two sixth defensemen in the lineup between Holzer and and Michael Delzato. It's just not good, especially with one of them having to play top four minutes um, it's been tough. It's been a tough go with Ben and Gouli out of the lineup.
1: Yeah, and even up front, Chad brought up a point in the chat. Like, the Ducks are just missing uh, a legit goal scorer. Like, they, yeah. you know, Jakob Silverberg is a very good goal scorer and Ricardo Raquel in his own right is a good goal scorer and a good setup man. But they, they've don't have that guy and, and really the last guy that was like that for the Ducks was Corey Perry when he was in his prime when he was a you know a 30 40 50 goal threat the Ducks haven't had that and they've lost that and they they, they really haven't had that for what about four or five years now three or four years even so that's what they're missing and you know Phil brings up Taylor Hall because we talked about that in, in our uh, last uh, post game show but you know those are those are the types of players I think they're really missing right, right they're out there right now because they're relying a lot on the kids to put up points, and and for for the most part, it's not happening. And you know, it'll, it'll take some time. You know, they've got some good young prospects coming along the way. Plus, the guys we've already mentioned that you know a couple more years of development, development, and maybe they can score uh, with depth on their team. We've seen teams do that in the past that have multiple twenty goal scores and, and and can win hockey games that way. Sure. But uh, they they really don't have that legit goal-scoring threat that you know if Philip Forsberg was in the game for the Predators you'd be talking about a player like that or, or Victor Arvidsson the way he's playing the way he's been putting up goals the last couple of seasons the Ducks just don't really have that guy right now that consistent go-to guy that you know times are tough you can rely on a, 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 a important goal from him
0: yeah so let's let's talk about the kids here real quick uh, Troy Terry one point Sam Steele two points Maxime Comtois one point uh, Max Jones, one point, and uh, I think we're, we're 10 games in. None of them played all 10 games. No. So we got we got to mix and mash here. I mean, Jones was Troy Terry.
1: Troy Terry has to be the closest, right? He's the only one that hasn't been scratched or hurt.
0: Troy Terry has played nine games this season with one goal. That's before tonight. So he's played all 10, actually.
1: He's played all 10. He's yep. the only one who's played all 10. Yep. Um, well, it yeah.
0: favors on his side with, the, with uh, him playing right wing. That's just the way it goes right now.
1: Right. Yeah, I know exactly. He's got a guaranteed space at this point. And I I don't think the coaching staff and and I guess even Bob Murray wants to move Maxine Comtois or Max Jones over to the right side. They've done it in the past and Max Jones has played all over the ice in junior with the Knights. But I think their main positions and as we've seen are on left wing. And and unfortunately right now bringing in a guy like Nick Deloria has caused the Ducks some issues and getting those guys in the lineup. And either way, I wouldn't want to see Max Jones on the fourth line. I I just I don't wanna see that. I'd rather see him get top line minutes in San Diego, and I think Dave mentioned that in our chat earlier. I don't want to see Max Jones playing eleven, twelve minutes a night with Derek Grant and Carter Brown. I'd Ooh. rather him be playing in San Diego with, you know, Sam Carrick or Antoine Moran and, and getting some top line minutes down there.
0: And they've had a rough start to the season too. The goals haven't been amazing. Um yeah. Let's, uh, let's move on to the game a bit here. Uh, I don't know how you want to break this down. There's a lot of Predators goals, and I don't think we need to fill a podcast with breaking down every goal by the National Predators because I think that our viewership and listenership would drop right off the cliff to start the show. We got to talk
1: about that. I think the first thing we got to talk about was that penalty on Jacob uh, Silver that led to the 5-on-3. Yeah,
0: that's a tough one. That's a tough one, man. Uh, I mean, I guess you can call it, but it's soft. It's soft. That's a real soft call there by the refs. I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna see if I can throw it up on on the screen for for everybody and uh, if any, if you didn't see it because we we posted it uh, we posted it up to uh, a Twitter earlier. But man, like it. it this, apparently the one on Larson was soft, and I didn't go back and, and look at that one either. But oh man, like that that's one where the ref is right there and he doesn't see it. And I don't know how you call it. Like I get, there is contact there. Like you're, you're putting your silver is putting himself in a bad position for a penalty to get called. But the problem is, like that is just not a great call. And I got it on the screen here for everybody who's on our Twitch chat who can see it. But he makes a kind of a, a small cross check, not even on the elbow, I guess, of Roman Yosi. And Yosi just swings at the puck and kind of just trips and slides over. And you know, at that point I, I feel like it, you know, the ref is right in good position to see it. I, I don't know how he doesn't see that Yossi falls over. And that leads to the Ducks' first goal. I mean he gives the Preds a five on three. We've seen this in the past. And it's it's unfortunate to see calls still happen like that. Obviously it didn't lose the Ducks the game at this point, but I think the refs have to be a little bit more vigilant when especially when a call is gonna give the opposing team a five on three, like and it's a four check. It's a four check on the penalty kill too. Did you really think Silverberg's taking a penalty? Uh, I don't no,
0: I mean you can't make you can't you just can't put yourself in that position. But honestly, man, look, uh, you can't call this. I feel like it, it's it's he doesn't even move from Silverberg's cross check. He doesn't. I mean, you watch Yossi go to the corner. He literally loses an edge. It's just the way it is. Yeah, unfortunate call. You gotta play past those though. You just have to play past that stuff. As it, it, easy as it is to blame a penalty. Um, and to call the refs out for, you know, being homers for the Preds or the yeah. Birds as they have be called a lot. You've got to get past that. And the Ducks, I mean, dude, they had their chances, at in this game. I mean, ter- did, Terry yeah. with the penalty shot, Kasha with a breakaway. Um, Getson did get on the board later in the game, but there were chances. I mean, Nick Ritchie with a chance, too. I mean, let's not let's not detract from the fact that uh, the Ducks played well five on five, and Pecorine really was just, I mean, honestly, just a wall. He was
1: a beast. Tonight. Yeah. A beast. Yeah, He he didn't face as many high-danger chances Cam Talbot did in the Calgary game. I think if, if you're looking at goaltending performances over the last two games, I think the Ducks really got stoned by Cam Talbot, and that was unfortunate in that one. Yeah, that was tough. Rene had Rene had to make some good saves in this one for sure, and it really took a perfect shot from Ryan Getzlaff to beat him. Yeah. But the Ducks weren't generating enough high-quality chances in this game. And the Preds pretty much took advantage of almost every high danger chance that they got and put them in the back of the net. And, and unfortunately, you know, it's, it's kind of been a trend a bit from the Ducks. They've played well, especially, you know, you look at the Boston game they lost and the Calgary game they lost. They played well in those games and they still lost. Uh, you can kind of say the same for this one but it's becoming a trend that they really aren't generating a ton of high-scoring chances in games, and that's something we kind of expected, right? Like the, we, we already mentioned earlier in the show, they don't really have that legit goal-scoring threat, and so far the only hot line has been Henrique Raquel, and Silverberg. and if that cools off, like it wasn't, They weren't bad tonight, but they weren't great. That's going to be a problem for the Ducks. And goal scoring we knew was going to be a problem. And if you know, if it's going to improve, we're going to have to see some scoring depth come from the young guys and, and from the top line with Getzlaff and Kasha eventually because, man, things are going to have to get turned around if the Ducks are going to start putting the puck in the back of the net on a regular basis.
0: I mean, honestly, Richie and Kasha were pretty much the best players on the ice for the Ducks in an offensive category. I, yeah, I got to say, I both so. those guys played great. They really did. Uh, and and Richie definitely benefited him, um, you know, with being able to play <laughs> with talented players for sure. Right. He played with uh, and and we, we've so. always said about him, right? We always said about him, he he could produce if he's put with the right guys, but he's better suited for a you know a bottom six role. Um, but the Ducks just couldn't break through tonight, man. It, it was tough, and, and taking six penalties doesn't help. I don't care what you say about you know where you're playing or what, about the referees and how it's called. Um, I mean, the Ducks got a makeup call right away on a totally bogus slashing call on Colton Sissons, and then there was an errant pass up the boards at the end of the power play that sprung Sissons down the wall, and uh, I think it was was it Michael Del that was back, kind of yeah. didn't really force a play, and Gibby was off his ankle. Just a matter of circumstance there. I mean, just uh, everything that could have gone wrong on that play went wrong, and Gibby got beat, and all of a sudden now it's uh, it's two nothing after that. It's, uh, the Ducks had their chances tonight. Uh, they're just not able to create enough space and enough office to convert on
1: That's probably the first goal I'd have to say I think maybe is on John Gibson a little bit. Like, he, like you said, he's off his angle on that one, and Dale Zotto doesn't play it perfectly. But Sissons is at a point in the ice where he probably shouldn't beat John Gibson far post top corner. Like it just shouldn't happen, and it is a perfect shot. But I think that's a little bit of a play with John Gibson. I don't think he expects a player like Colton Sissons to be able to place a shot like that top corner. To be perfectly honest, I didn't expect a player like Colton Sissons to be able to put a shot up in the top corner. But I think, you know, on Del Soto he's got to play that a little bit harder and, and maybe, we'll, you know, get back and get a stick in the lane or something to, to deflect the shot away from Sissons. I think John Gibson has to, to give either give the guy a little bit more credit or just read the play a little bit better on that one. And, and I know it's tough with the player coming out of the box and he's a new guy on the ice. But uh, the, that, you know, I I, I don't want to fault gibson too much because of how great he's been this year but i think that's one he would probably want to have back if he looks at it you know we talked about last game the two goals that got scored against him in calgary there's nothing he could do about those ones you know, two no two on one and nothing
0: to do nothing he could do on the grimaldi goals a tip inside the slot from a Benino dump in and i don't know what you're going to say about what happened uh with eckholm either just uh, what are you going to do it's a breakaway it's shorthanded that's Gibby didn't get the best of opportunities by his defense, right? I mean, they they kind of yeah. let him down, and that's what we've seen. And the Predators were opportunistic again.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's just one of those games. And I don't think... By any means, the Ducks deserve to lose 6-1, to but that's the final scoreline. That's what we're looking at at this point, and I think that's why some people are reading into this too much and, and kind of blowing things up and starting fires on Twitter and on social media because it's a 6-1 loss to the National Predators, who are a pretty good team in this league right now, and it was a big matchup for the Ducks and probably one of the toughest matchups they've had so far to start the season. Uh, and it's one of those one of those games where you kind of uh, you know you, you kind of set in stone where you stand against some of the best teams, and you know they've got some tough matchups coming up against Dallas and Colorado as well, which are going to be against Corey, uh, the, you, know, yeah, you mean? Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but you know, they're they're both very good teams, Central Division opponents as well, and they're on the road, so they're going to be tough games. The Ducks are going to have to have to bounce back in it, but it, you know, realistically, you look at this game and the scoreline probably should have been you know three two three one Nashville. Uh, the Ducks, I don't think, deserve to win this game. But it, it, the scoreline should have been a little bit closer. And, and, you know, with 6-1, I think that just makes people panic a little bit.
0: Well, I, there's no need to panic. We're, we're at game 10. Uh, Ducks Twitter was definitely in panic mode. But uh, let's talk about Josh Manson, Ed. I, I really, I, I mean, are we at the point where we need to be really concerned about his, his play? His underlying numbers aren't atrocious. He's He's not. I don't know what you could say. He's not just horrendous, but his mistakes, just mistakes. are just egregious. They really yep. are. The mistakes he makes are just they're going to the back of the net. I mean, he doesn't make a ton of them, but every single one it feels like either he, he's not getting bailed out or he's just making those mistakes you just can't do, like the the goal uh tonight by Arvindson his second one where Manson just kinda of tried to the you know, the broadcaster tried to one touch it to the front of the net and I'm like, I mean, really, why? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why are you doing that? It makes no sense to me. I'm not really quite sure what's going on with him.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a question we've always or something we've always brought up in the past about Josh Manson is, you know, are his underlying numbers propped up by Hampus Lindholm maybe slightly? You know, there's probably some more investigative work to be done there to to really determine how much Hampus Lindholm improves Josh Manson's numbers. Let's tell everyone
0: game. here that who doesn't know that Ed writes for the Hockey Writers and that should be his next article. Is Josh <laughs> Manson really that good or that bad based on Hamberslindholm? <laughs> Let's honestly, get
1: him on for, for one reason, I'm afraid to find out the answer because I, I I think it's probably somewhat true, and, and I don't want to rip on the guy because I like jo- I like Josh Manson. It's it's probably one I'll dive into eventually, but I think you you kind of got to you got to dig into it more than just looking at you know the course with or without or or shot attempts or scoring chances for without without Lindholm. There's a lot of the eye tests too, and. and you know, you'd have to go back to the last season and look at when he was playing with Cam Fowler, but even That's that stuff—I mean,
0: tough topic to truth how, conquer.
1: Yeah, I mean, because of how bad they were last season and just how bad the team played in general. I mean, I, I did a whole article, pretty much the same thing, almost looking at how Cam Fowler just had, has not been good or was not good last year, and I went in really, really in depth on, on you know just what wasn't going right for him and, and how things he he did well in the past just weren't working out and. It'd almost have to be that type of undertaking because I, I feel like Josh Manson, and, and you know I already mentioned this earlier in the show, him and Hampus Lindholm are just suffering a bit for not having that secondary option for the Ducks to go to on the blue line. And, and they're really taking the line share uh, of tough matchups for the team right now. So I, I think I'll table that discussion on Josh Manson until jo- until Brendan Gooley comes back and we can really see if things get better for him. But there's definitely been some clear mistakes, and, and the same goes for Hampus Lindholm that have at some times have led to goals too, right? So it's 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 something that's maybe been going on for a while for Josh Manson. I, I think after that one season where he really broke out, I think people are maybe expecting a little bit more of that, and I, I, maybe that's just out of reach for what John uh, what Josh Manson's going to be consistently. But yeah, I, I think as a guy who's supposed to be a shutdown defenseman, who's supposed to be reliable in his own end. That's one thing that is pretty worrying. That you know the turnovers are becoming consistent. That's something you need to work on, especially when the ducks aren't thi- are pretty thin on the right side. Like right now, it's Josh Manson's really their only guy on that right side before Cabrini and Holzer. So he, he's he's got to step things up because they don't really have any depth behind him.
0: He and see this is where like you look at the the underlying analytics numbers. You look at it right now tonight. He was fifty six percent with Corsi. Um, he was shots for nine to seven in favor of him. Um, but he was out there for one goal for, two goals against. All right, and one of them was a direct result of his play. It's just, and that's that's what's the alarming part. Like you look at the underlying, some of the underlying numbers, are like, oh he's not so bad. And then you look at a little, you know, you go a little deeper and look at the eye test. Something's just off with his game, just from an eye test view. That's just how I feel yeah. about it. I mean, we're ten games into everybody. Yeah? No need to sound the alarm bells. I mean. And at the end of the day, what did we really expect from this team going into the season? Was everyone really like cup contender? Right? I, I know we were all yeah. like all of a sudden we're high like, on them. And we it had was reading. it was
1: bubble team. You know, it was it yeah. it was it was high to say, you know, it was high in them to say they were going to be a bubble team and have a chance to make the playoffs. If you had told me at the beginning of the year, nine games in, uh, or ten games in, they were going to be 6-4-0, oh, I would take it. I would definitely take it. I you know, it just, it just sucks, you know, they, the way they lost tonight and obviously losing a disappointing game against the Flames. And, you know, they were 6-2-0 two games ago. But that's just the way it goes. And, you know, maybe they go into Dallas and Colorado and play some really good hockey. They have been playing really good hockey. This is really the the first downside of that where, you know, they didn't play that bad. But the scoreline looks a lot worse than it is. This is really the first bad game for the Ducks in yeah. 10 games. And I'll take yeah. that because last year they started very well On when you look at their record. But they were getting lucky, and we knew they were getting lucky. We, we could all see it. We all knew it was going to eventually downturn, and, and, and you don't have that feeling this year. It almost feels like they're getting unlucky in some of these games in the fact that they just can't finish some of their chances and they're getting beat by a hot goalie in the case of, of Cam Talbot and then just getting beat by, by David Pasternak uh, against the Boston Bruins. It, it feels different. So, it, you know, if the, again, like I said, if, if I knew they were going to be 6-4-0, oh, 10 games in, I would definitely take it.
0: Yeah, I mean, so Manson leaves a team – I think he's tied – I just had it up. Damn it. I just had it up here a second. No. He's tied with Nick Ritchie and Adam Henrique, I think, with minor penalties. They, they each have four, and then he's got a five-minute major. So he's not doing himself favors there. I don't really have to worry about the fight he fought, and it's just what happened. Um, and that was in a game I believe they won. Did they win that game? Josh before? Manson? Yeah.
1: Uh, against Carolina? Yeah, they yeah, won.
0: they won that game. Yeah, duh, I was there. Um, so, yeah, it's – it's tough, to, it's tough to, to talk about this when you've got guys, when you have half of your lineup, guys who are questionable to be where they are. When you're talking about uh, Corbinian Holzer, you're talking about Jacob Larson, and you're also talking about Michael DelZotto. That's half of your, your top six that you rely upon. So, I mean, yeah, missing Brendan Gouley has been a big deal. And maybe that has a lot of effect on Hampus Lindholm and Josh Manson. Um, but let's talk about the play of Andre Kasha. Uh, I know that he was one of your guys you've been looking forward to this season about maybe having a breakout year. I mean, you're not the only one. There's been a lot of pundits, a lot of writers, a lot of analysts who said that he's the guy to watch for this season. He was you know, one of the top guys creating offense all of last year. Um, are you concerned at all with his lack of finishing ability so far in the first 10 games
1: of the year? not not so much because he's been kind of put himself in a different role he's been more of a creator more and i don't say more of a play driver because he's always been a play driver but he really hasn't been put in that position to finish i really haven't seen him other than a couple breakaways that he has put in a position to shoot the puck and and really get some quality scoring chances he almost seems to be the guy that's carrying the puck into the zone and setting up his, his teammates and I think you know maybe that will eventually change, and and you know there'll definitely be some chances he gets, but eventually he's going to score on those breakaways. I think it has been two or three that he's had this, so far this year that he's come pretty close on, and, and the goaltenders have robbed him a couple times. He got robbed tonight. Uh, I can't remember if it was it was a Cam Talbot in the last game that robbed him or the game before that he got robbed on a breakaway where he went to the backhand. And uh, the goaltender made a pretty good save. I can't remember what game that was, but uh, he's having he's getting chances that way, and he's always going to because of his speed and, and his hockey IQ. Uh, and eventually, I think you know whether he it's with Ryan Getzlaff or he gets put on a different line, he's going to get these scoring chances at some point when the Ducks figure some figure some things out. So I'm not too worried about him because if he was playing bad and I didn't see the usual things you see from Andre Kasha, you know the play driving, the speed, the fact that he's always engaged on the play, I'd be a little bit more upset. Uh, yeah, it, it's slightly wearing. He's not shooting the puck. It's more, but he's also not getting those chances. So I think eventually those chances are going to come.
0: So where do you want to move on from here? I, I, are you are you at the point right now where we we joked about it halfway about, uh, about Taylor Hall coming to Anaheim last game um, and how it just didn't make sense. But are, are you big on any sort of forward movement on this team? Let's just play a game of what if and have fun for a second. After a blow yeah. a loss, do you really think that that it's necessary? or Are you really still content on a rebuild? And if you're not, or retool, sorry, I don't want to piss anyone off. Um, <laughs> or, or if if you're not content on that, who would you who would you think is is a uh, you know a real possibility for a pickup here?
1: Uh, before we get into that, I want to I just shout out, a couple people had questions surrounding that, so oh, I want to shout them out in. before That's we go in. into that. So it's the same thing, but I just want to shout out their question before we get past it. Phil asked if we'll ever get the top line scoring left wing forward that we've been talking about for like the last decade. And uh, Chad asked if he knows it's a ways away, but do you think we will make some moves at the deadline? So those are pretty much on on the same, uh, I guess, target last line as what decade. you're asking.
0: Don't the good name of Bobby Ryan, sir
1: yeah I guess he got forced to play left wing, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know when it comes to maybe the ducks, you know if there's anybody out there they could go get it it's so tough. At the beginning of this year, to look at who might be available, because you can go and look at some of the teams who aren't playing that well right now, and say maybe they'll have some players available. You know, maybe Jason Zucker's name comes back up because Minnesota isn't playing that well, mm-hmm. and I think he he would still be a pretty good option. Uh, but who knows where Minnesota is? You know, thirty games from now, I still th- I still think they're going to be near the bottom. But you know, there, there's a chance they could turn things around and move up and and want to keep Zucker. And you know, with with uh, the GM no longer there, the issues that they had. That he had with Jason Zucker aren't there anymore either. So that might not be something the Ducks could go after. Uh, I doubt Dallas is in the mood to trade anybody, so I don't think you really go dirt, that direction. And Chicago's wingers are pretty much a bunch of younger players, so you really can't go there. And if you go east, you know, maybe Ottawa. Wants to move some guys, but their team's primarily young. Uh, I, I still think they probably move out of Slav Mestikov, who they just picked up, and he's got four points in three games. Uh, but if he's still doing that, the, the trade value on a guy like that is going to be pretty high for for what he might potentially provide you in the future, and I don't think you go for that. So it, it's tough. It's tough to say right now. I think you know, 20, 30 games in, you'll be able to look at which teams are, are likely going to finish near the bottom and are likely going to be sellers at the deadline, and you can go get it. Uh, whether the ducks do that or not it it also kind of depends where they are too right like if they're if they go six four and oh over the next you know 10 sets a game and let's say that puts them at 18 12 and oh it's a decent record to have at the 30 game mark it's not bad you you know you're you're potentially on pace for a playoff spot and if if you just you know round it out and keep going and say they're 24 and, and 16 and obviously things will change and there'll be overtime losses here and there as well but if you're you know, you're sitting around the 48 to 55 point mark at the halfway point. It's not a bad place to be at. You know, you're on pace for anywhere between 90 and 100 points, and and that's potentially a playoff spot. So, the Ducks could be buyers. They routinely aren't, and they they generally don't go big at the deadline. Uh, and, and you know, obviously, the big name at the deadline this year we already talked about in the last show is going to be Taylor Hall. Yep. So, uh, unless uh, I think the only way they get that deal done is if they could resign him, and even at that point, he's 27 now, and it's, it's a little bit worrying to go and get an older guy like that. So I, I don't think they need to go and get that guy and, and kind of try and expedite the rebuild if you or the retool, if you want to call it that. Because we're still hoping Trevor Ziegris can play at the end of the year. If Boston University doesn't go far uh, in the NCAA tournament at the end of the year, he'll get some games in. And, and hopefully, if that's the case, then he'll be playing with the Ducks next year. Don't know what he'll be able to produce, right? Right. but that will be a guy who will join the lineup. And, and you look at the center depth of the Ducks right now, Getzlaff's still going to be there. Henrique's still going to be there. Sam Steele's still going to be there. Trevor Zegras is a center, but he has routinely played on the wing in the past. And I think when he makes the transition to the NHL, he's probably going to get put at the wing. Do you want to sign Taylor Hall for seven years and then block, make even more of a logjam on the left side? Probably not. So I honestly, I, if, it, if they're going to get anything, it would be you know a rental or a guy with two years left on his contract at the deadline who can jump into the top six. That doesn't cost you so much. So, again, like I already mentioned, but maybe a guy like Jason Zucker, if it costs you a second-round pick and a B prospect, then that's not too bad when it, what the price would be to go out and get a guy like Taylor Hall.
0: Yeah, I, I, just, don't, I, I just don't see it happening either. It's, and even even getting another player like a Zucker, I don't know if it really makes a ton of sense. I just don't think. It, I think they really need to eat this season as it is what it is. I mean, why are you going to trade away assets for guys who are older, and sign up for too much money? Like we've been down that road with this team so many times. We had to buy out Corey Perry. We got we got six point eight million dollars on injury reserve and a three point ch- and change at in injury reserve uh, or long term IR rather for uh, for Kessler and for Patrick Eves. Like let's just. Deal with what we've got. See what turns up. I think we're 10 games in. There's not a real big push for me uh, to be like, hey, Bob Murray's got to go out and do something. I mean, we've seen this team compete against, I mean, some good teams so far this season. I mean, beating... Beating the Carolina Hurricanes is no easy task. I mean, I know Peter Mrazek didn't have the greatest game, but they still played well against them. Uh, playing against Buffalo, I mean, that team's on fire. They the way the,
1: Buffalo's playing, yeah, uh, they're eight 8 8-1-1 right now. They, they have won the most points two.
0: in the NHL, and uh, they're they're yeah. a good team. Uh, a really big test will come against the Colorado Avalanche this Saturday. I really feel like that's a biggie for the Ducks on this road trip. Well, but, Mika
1: Rantanen's not going to be in that game now uh, because ankle, right? Yeah, so that's, uh, I guess, just like Forsberg being out tonight, it, it's it's a big thing pregame, but it means it's you know, a whole different thing when you go into the game, considering the fact that Nathan McKinnon has points in all nine games to start the season this year. He's still yeah. one of the best players in the league, so that's going to be probably, probably the toughest test, maybe other than David Pasternak, that the Ducks have had this year. When you look at star power and, and trying to shut down a player, it's not easy to shut down that top line in Boston, and they couldn't do it against Boston. Uh, just like it's not easy to shut down Nathan McKinnon in Colorado, and they, they have a lot more depth behind him than they did last year. They've got Nazem Kadri, you know, they've still got uh, Gabriel Landeskog, Tyson Yost just scored a hat trick uh, yeah. a couple games ago as well. So Man, it's it's a different some team. Center there.
0: depth there, huh? Trying to stop these uh, these scoring lines, missing that center depth kind of yeah. hurts. You got to see what Sam Steele turns into.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it'll be definitely a different matchup having to go against McKinnon and Kadri this year.
0: Before we get to any questions in chat or uh, the few questions we had on social media, Lucas Pizza got signed, Ed, if you want to go there right now. Lucas Pizza's back as an Anaheim Duck. (laughs) When I first saw that, I was about ready to go, are you kidding me? Is someone else hurt? Are we really going to play this guy? Um, And then it later kind of came out from Eric Stevens that he's expected to go to the AHL. Thank God. Yeah, once he was not a good
1: waivers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he did okay in Vegas. But that was, the I think, the first year that Vegas was in the league and everybody did okay on Vegas that year. Yeah, of he, course. He was on pace for like, like 25, 30 points, which is a big uptick for him. Uh, and then he went to the Islanders, only played nine games. I don't know if he just got scratched after that or, or what happened or he got injured or something. Because I don't think he even went down to the AHL. He just played nine games and then just didn't play for the rest of the year. Um, I don't, you know. Listen, it's it is what it is. He's not going to play that much. And when you look at the Ducks' defense depth right now, with Holzer and and Delzotto really only being the eventual six, seven guys that they're going to have, it, it's not too bad to have an eight option that's had some NHL experience. Because if you go to the goals right now, there really isn't any depth down there. The Ducks could bring up Josh Mahura, but. I don't know if you want to throw him into the fire and play him with a guy like Kareem Holtzer or Michael Delzato at this point and maybe just let him develop him a bit more in, in San Diego. Uh, Yanni Hockenpaugh, the, the little bit of, of taste we saw from him wasn't great in, in the games that he played, no. I think, in preseason before preseason. he got sent down. Uh, you know, maybe he gets a look because he's a right-handed shot eventually. But, hey, I mean, it, it, Lucas Bees is almost a meme for Ducks fans at this point uh, because <laughs> of what he's been able to do. So I think, it, it, you know, it... it it's kind of weird seeing him come back, but it's a one-year, one-way. The price hasn't come out yet, but I'm sure it's around like seven hundred thousand, seven hundred fifty thousand, 750000 meaningless against the cap. Uh, and he provides some depth, right? He can't be much worse or much better than Delzado and Holzer. And if one, you know, if somebody goes down, if one of those guys goes down, or God forbid Gouley stays out longer than we expect, it gives the Ducks some flexibility to withstand some more injuries if they occur.
0: He's a left-handed shot, by the way.
1: That's he is, guess. yeah. Yeah, there's, and, uh, there's not many righties available.
0: No, and honestly, he got walked a lot in Vancouver. So playing on Vegas, I don't really worry about. I don't care about. He he played nine games with the Islanders. I, I just whatever. Stay stay with it the is goals. what it is. That's what it was for me. He's
1: a he's a borderline NHL defenseman. He's a, a seven or eight, maybe right. Well, he's a seven or eight, because like especially on the Ducks right now, because if you look at everybody's healthy, Delzotto is or Holzer is either your six, right? One of them's your six, the other one's your seven. Speeds is now your eight instead of having you know Yanni Hakipu is your eight, or yeah. forcing Josh Mahura up to not play any minutes, or you know bringing up Simon Benoit, or you know whoever you decide to bring up, Chris Weidman maybe. Like I'm surprised that. He hasn't got more looks being a right shot defenseman and playing. That the NHL is before. surprising.
0: That's very surprising.
1: I can't, I kind of forgot about him a little bit, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, right now I think he's going to go down and help San Diego because they they definitely have some issues on defense. Bringing up, they, I think you know they they had to bring in like Steven Ruggiero, who is just kind of getting his first taste mm-hmm. of the AHL, which is tough for some guys. And you know, when you've got Josh Maher and Simon Benoit, and Yanni Hakapa leading the way. That's kind of tough. That's kind of tough for them to withstand. So bringing in a guy who's kind of been around and had that experience. And you got to remember, Spica, his, his you, you would think he's 34 at this point, but he's only 29. Yeah, yeah he's young. Right. He's just, he's just kind of been around. Doesn't league. mean he's
0: got room to grow. He's just been around.
1: Yeah, he's no. had,
0: a, he's had so, three teams he's been
1: on. So right now he helps San Diego and possibly with injuries or, or, you know, God forbid some good play in San Diego, he might help the Ducks as a sixth or seventh defenseman. Uh, I, I don't hate it. I would have rather the right shot but I don't think there's many out there at this point.
0: So if you guys haven't been to, and you're curious to natural stat trick, to look at five on five play overall play, they have a really cool thing on there for that shows uh, defensive pairings, which I think is relatively new this year ish. I know it wasn't there. uh, I don't think at the beginning of last year and my last year on that. I just missed it. But uh, Hampus, Lindholm, Josh Manson, 142 minutes, five on five this year and and 10 games played Uh, the second most played pairing at five on five throughout eight through eight games Corbidian Holzer and Jacob Larson there's an issue uh, with defensive depth so hopefully yep. we see some Brendan Gooley as we've said I mean, I've kind of ranted about this off and on through this podcast about defensive depth but they really miss him they really need him badly um, do you want to hop into questions or uh, how do you yeah, want to we, go Yeah,
1: we, we had a couple questions in the chat uh, Chad asked us uh, thoughts on Aiken so far Man, um we're 10 games in Ducks are 6 4 0. Oh. I'll take it first. You know, we're 10 games in Ducks are 6 4 0, and, oh, and they look a lot better, right? Like, we
0: how about the I, that? I'm
1: sorry, I think they're better than I thought they would be at this point. The record is better than I thought they were. The play yeah. is definitely a lot better. The creativity that they have. Uh, it is definitely great and I honestly expected the goal scoring to be down so I'm not super surprised that they're not scoring goals that much so mm. I think all in all I, I'm impressed with what Dallas Aikens has been able to do and I like the confidence that he's given back to the players they seem to really like him they seem to enjoy playing hockey again which is something you couldn't say last year right. and it's shown in the on ice play they're actually getting up against some of these top teams like we talked about Carolina and Buffalo which are hard teams to play against this year uh, You know, they, they got up in those games they got up against Boston, who's one of the best teams in the National Hockey League, and and played a very good game against them. Uh, Again, bringing up the Calgary game, uh, always a tough team to play in the Calgary Flames, it's always a gritty game, and they came to play in that one, and they just got beat by a hot goaltender, and and this has really been the the first bad game per se for the Ducks, and they didn't even look that bad. So uh, I all in all I give Dallas Aikens you know, like a seven seven and a half out of ten so far. Uh, there's some improvements I'd love to see. Uh, I don't like seeing Jones and come to uh, come to scratch, scraps. So I'm not sure how much uh, of that is his decision or the coaching staff or the general managers or whatever. But uh, generally, I've liked most of what I've seen from him so far.
0: Yeah, um, and I know that he has control of the entire coaching staff for the You know, that's what he's supposed to run. He's supposed to run the whole boat on that. And that includes the the, uh, the special teams penalty kills been rock solid for the most part. Power play not so much. Not yeah. been impressed with with the offensive changes on the power play. It's looked good at times. Uh, I would give I would give Akins like you said seven and a half to eight for me. Um, it's a much more enjoyable brand of hockey that we've seen, especially when it's working. Like when you're talking about a you know an offensive rush being led by a defenseman or a forward leading a rush in with two uh, with, his, with his own winger and center. And then drop it to a defenseman who then passes to another defenseman for a shot. Like, what are we talking about here? We didn't see that last year. Yeah, I love the creativity, the open flow of the game. Um, there's some defensive stuff to uh, to clean up, for sure. I think that's yep. where my main concern is. And then secondly, I would look at uh, you know the scoring situation. But that also falls on the head of uh, Bob Murray. He ices this team. And Dallas Akins kind of does what he has to do with it. And yeah, that
1: that's more on Bob Murray for me, and and he's yeah. relying. He said he, you know, I, I think it was in training camp or when the rookies were here. It was rookie camp. He had said, I think this is right after the draft. He was talking about how he there's only going to be three or four spots for the kids this year. Yeah. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to be playing seven kids. And then all he does is go out and get Nick Deloria, and that's it. <laughs> and and you know. I, I kind of liked that aspect and not playing all the kids and not having to rely on everybody to play in the lineup. And if and Gooley was healthy, he'd be one of them. Jacob Larson essentially is another because he was at that development camp, I believe. Um, and then you have Max Cummins, while you have Max Jones, you have Troy Terry, you have Sam Steele, six yep. guys right there. And, and, you know, so he's already kind of gone back on that a little bit. And I think that's hurt the ducks because there was no way all four of these guys were going to start the season hot and, and no. be, you know, contributors to the offense and it just so happens that really none of them have been I guess barring maybe Sam Steele but even that hasn't been what the Ducks would need for their offense to jump into the top half of the NHL so it, it's a little bit more on I think Bob Murray on the Ducks offense not doing so well because I think that the style they have in place is suited to score goals if they just had the personnel to get it done and, and they, they, they've had some very good chances and they've whiffed on it and that's on the players a little bit too um, but you know, it, again, what I'm like rambling here, but on on Bob Murray too is there wasn't much he could do in his defense, right?
0: No, you're you're at a situation here where you have to let contracts fall off. You have to give your kids some time to play to see what you have to see if they can earn some more value, and then you look at maybe uh, trading somebody off or or selling high on somebody and figuring out where you're at. But he had to give the kids time to play to see what he had for sure. Uh, we're yeah. down to about about ten minutes left here of the show, Ed. Where do you want to go, bud?
1: i uh, chop forty in our chat. Said biggest surprise ten games in and biggest disappointment. Disappointment. So we'll start with the biggest surprise. Ooh, what What's geez. yours? Ten games um, into the season so far.
0: Biggest surprise? Can they? I mean, this is back to my little negative ways. Um, I would say my biggest surprise would be the the fall off of the Hampus Lindholm and Josh Manson defensive pairing.
1: <laughs> I, that not, so, your biggest surprise is also probably your biggest, biggest disappointment. Surprise.
0: It is one and the same. Yeah, it's my biggest surprise from this. I wasn't shocked I think at the meant, lack of I, goal I think they meant there. to,
1: what is your biggest surprise as in, like, what is your biggest positive surprise?
0: Biggest <laughs> positive surprise, um, man. <sighs> Dude, that's a tough one. I, I think what I would say on that is the steady play of. And it's I guess not even that big of a surprise of Adam Henrique. I think he's really played his spot. He's really proved that he can he can be that that two three line C and be uh, you know a thirty five forty five point guy this year. I, that's my that's the, I, the a lot of this isn't a surprise to me. It, yeah. it isn't. No, I, I, I didn't that, have I these the giant point. aspirations for this year. That's a good question. I'm not, I'm not faulting the question. I, I just didn't have these super high hopes. I didn't have a cup to, I didn't have a cup contending dream this
1: year. Yeah, no, I, that's sort of the same surprise for me, but it's more of a line thing, and I guess a little bit more towards Jakob Silverberg. I think my biggest surprise in, in, in a positive way is, is how well that line has been. And uh, Chad said you know, Henrik being at five goals as well is, yeah. is pretty good to start the season so far. And I think Jakob Silverberg, also the way he's kind of picked up his game and the fact that Ricardo Raquel and those three have just kind of gelled when the whole plan that we thought to start the season was initially it was going to be Sam Steele. And then after that, it was supposed to be Isaac Lindström. And then all of a sudden Adam Henrique kind of gets thrust into that that role and then it just works. You know? mm-hmm. And it, it almost seems like that should have been the plan to go with from the very beginning. And they just seem to work really well together. They've really been the, the Ducks' only consistent line. Um, as for disappointment, I, I think the big one for me is that all four of the Ducks' young forwards have not particularly excelled. They have not really taken the reins and and. and you know contributed that much offensively i i still do like what sam Steele's doing he's looked poised out there mm-hmm. and i think he's been the best but you know troy terry i'm i'm not so happy with his play i'd like to see him contribute a bit more offensively same goes for maxim Comtoir, which maybe i kind of expected a bit more than others because he is jumping right out from junior and and there was a lot of hype around the 10 games he played last year but he, he was getting uh, getting a lot of luck and contributing on, on a very few amount of chances that he had last year. So it, it was kind of just hot play for him to start the year. And, and then disappointment, not so much in Max Jones' uh, play, but just not being able to see him play more.
0: They need to punch through. That's, what, that's the problem here. Once these kids, once one or two of them starts to really punch through offensively, you're going to see them be amazed in the lineup. That's just the obvious thing to talk about here when it comes to the yep. kids. But I agree. The secondary scoring has been very much uh, lackluster. And Brett points out Pat positive and then LOL all the way in caps. I could rant on all the negative things if you want me to, but that would be a very boring show, Brett. can't do that.
1: Yeah, he's surprised that you're being positive. I know. <laughs> but you weren't. You took the positive <laughs> and went straight to the negative. But that's just
0: because I had – I I didn't have these Mount Everest expectations for these guys. I I just didn't. I was content with uh, being competitive this year and being happy with it.
1: Um, So so one of our questions we had on Twitter was from Tom. He said, what is wrong with Josh Manson's decision-making this year? He has way too many catastrophic errors for a player with his experience level. Um, I think more so it's just the workload that they're having to do right now, especially when, like you said, the second most utilized pairing right now is Jakob Larsson and and Holzer. Uh, that that kind of says everything about the types of matchup that uh, Manson and, and Lindholm are getting, and it's tough to do that for you know every game. Uh, you know, almost every shift you have, you can't really get much going. You've got to worry about going against, you know, in this game, uh, Ryan Johansson and Mikhail Granlund, and, and, Mikel and you know, obviously Philip Forsberg wasn't playing, and last game it, it was Johnny Goodrow and Sean Monaghan, and before that it was David Pasternak and, and Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron. And, yeah, and you're and not normally, even talking
0: about penalty kill minutes either at this either. This yeah. is just all five-on-five five stuff. So it, Exactly. It's, it's a, it's normally a tough... that
1: gets shared with Cam Fowler and, and Brendan Gooley, and, and right now it's not. And I think that's why we're seeing a little bit more more turnovers than we're used to and we you know we saw it a bit last year uh when there was injuries on the blue line to camp fowler where it was uh josh manson who wasn't playing with hampers lindholm but josh manson was getting the, the line shares of, of minutes uh on the top unit and he was making mistakes there and the same goes for hampers lindholm as well so I, I think more so it's just the workload that they're having and in, in being asked to do right now is a little bit too much because of injuries
0: no yeah, they're, pl- they're averaging about 18 minutes a night together um, and that's including all situations, Hampus Lindholm yeah. and Josh Manson. Um, but that's what's expected of them; they're supposed to be that. But I, I guess the problem is, is like what I said earlier, and you, we touched on it: is you have three guys who aren't top four defensemen that are getting rotated in and out of the top four slot, and that it just doesn't work when you're trying to roll your team. These injuries for the, for the Ducks uh, to Brendan Gouldy have been very damaging. Uh, Dave says in chat, I know I've said this a mil- for the millionth time, but come to our and Terry play together and we'll get going. I would have to say, I would love to see that more often than not. They did look great last game. So let's hope that come uh, to finds his way back in the lineup.
1: Yeah, I really wanted, I think that was probably the most exciting thing we took from last game was we wanted to see those three guys together because of how they looked and then come oh, to yeah. gets scratched. So hopefully uh, it's Dallas coming up next. So hopefully it, we get to see come with Steele and Terry in that game, because I still think there's a lot of potential there based on what we saw. Small sample size for sure, but uh, there's no harm in giving it a chance and seeing what it can do. Especially if the cost is just scratching Nick Deloree or Nick Richie at <laughs> this what point. An and and again, <laughs> I, again, I I I like the way Nick Ritchie's played this year. So obviously, I'd rather see Nick Deloria scratched, but he you know it seems to be that. Uh, Dallas Akins kind of likes him on that fourth line especially playing him in back-to-back games now so <coughs> or it, you know, if it if it costs Nick Ritchie for one game to see Maxi come to play with Steele and Terry and see if there's a real thing there then then you know that's a small cost to pay to to kind of check that line out and see if it has any chemistry there because the Ducks could really use the second line now with some chemistry behind Henrik, Raquel, and Silverberg
0: no, 100% uh, do you have anything else you want to toss in here or you want to get to uh, Patreon and some uh, Forever Mighty Three Stars talk
1: uh, we had a couple – we had a few questions actually on Instagram. Oh, but, oh,
0: oh, oh, oh. Well, well yeah. The but,
1: uh, like I'll read them all, but some of them weren't questions. Uh, Trinket said zero to say. So not a t- <laughs> tough game. I think it, uh, echoing the sentiments from a lot of Ducks fans. Uh, Clancy great. said, That's can great. we pretend this didn't happen? Uh, I think the One Ducks game,
0: boys. One game.
1: Yeah. They, well, yeah, and I, I think that, that kind of echoes what the Ducks are going to feel yeah. like. They're, they're going to put this behind them. It's a game that looks like a Burn bad line, but they Burn didn't play the that the tape. Uh, John said, "Why scratch Max Jones?" Yeah, uh, I'm I agree. still wondering that a little bit, and might as well send him down at this point. Uh, Jimmy go said, "Who would you Mad rather?" Ha- yeah, yeah. Jimmy said, "Who would you rather out there? Holzer or Speedza?" I <laughs> uh, purely Holzer. Uh, just Kevin Biexa. The- can right.
0: I say Kevin Biexa? Can I can I open the third door and say Biexa, please?
1: Oh no, thanks. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I I'll go
0: Superman it. punch all day for that one. Give me the Superman punch over either one of those guys. Just saying.
1: But uh, I'd rather have Holzer just because he's the right shot. I don't want – if you take Holzer out right now, you've got six. You've got uh, five lefties sure. in there. So uh, – and then uh, David asked, uh, will the Anaheim Ducks bounce back at Dallas? Uh, yes. I think so. It's Dallas has not played. played well historically
0: in Dallas as far as I can remember. But I don't think uh, that there's a reason why they can't. They have a lot to go out to try to beat up Corey Perry on Thursday.
1: Yeah. All right. That's it. That's all we have for the questions.
0: Uh, and so Shane in our chat says, Eddie, answer me. Are you coming to Anaheim? I don't think Eddie's coming anytime <laughs> soon. We're no, no,
1: not, for not an before into the season. New year.
0: End of season, we're talking here. We're yeah,
1: to get maybe, maybe, of. maybe in the new year. Uh, if not, the next year.
0: Oh, uh, we're going to try to get him at the end of this year for sure. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, because
1: this time I come down, I come down with the whole family, so it's a little re- more logistics behind getting down there than than recent, the last couple times we came down, but. For sure.
0: Hey, so if you've stuck with us all the way through here uh, at the end of a uh, tough game, we love you guys. We appreciate you guys coming on. And you want more of us, to, yeah, more of this to talk about. And you want us to talk about other topics. You want bonus shows. Uh, you want giveaways. You want one of these cool hats. You want some other uh, other stuff that we provide our fans. I
1: want, I want one of those cool hats. I don't I have mean, one. <laughs> I know.
0: I got to ship you one here, bud. Um, <laughs> you got to go to our Patreon. Uh, we do a Patreon. You can support us. There's three different tiers, $1 a month, $5 a month, or $10 a month. Lots of different bonuses that go into each one of those, uh, especially the 5 and 10s for sure. But uh, go check it out. Did we, were we able to change our URL?
1: Uh, no, but we will. So right now it's uh, patreon.com slash Uh But we're going to change that, so it's just going to be patreon.com slash forevermighty. But for now, try puck guys.com or patreon.com slash puck guys for everybody if you're looking for it or you can just check i think on our twitter it's linked in our bio as well so you can or you can go to google and just search for everybody patreon and it I comes put up it like in this our, in our
0: twitch chat if, if you're not if you're not a current patreon member uh, and uh, you would like to take a look at what we have to offer i put it in our chat for you guys to check out if you can't you can't totally find it's just if you want more content and the ability to support us uh, we love and appreciate that Um, And then, uh, Ed, why don't we tell everybody what we do with Forever Mighty Three Stars and when that new leaderboard's coming out, my friend.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I haven't updated it yet, but you've all been participating, so eventually the update's going to come. But if you haven't seen on Twitter, so if you're listening, you don't check us out on Twitter, uh, make sure you go check out 45 Minutes Before Puck Drop on on every game this year. We post our prediction challenge, uh, which is called Forever Mighty Three Stars. And you have to make three predictions. Who's going to score the Ducks' first goal? What the the final score is going to be? You don't have to predict who's going to win, just the final score in general. So if you said 6-1 tonight, it doesn't matter if you said the Ducks or the Preds are going to win. You still get a point for that. And then we always have a a third random question Uh, tonight. I think it was, will Gibson face more than 30 shots? I think the answer ended up being no on that one. Uh, But every correct answer you get, you get a point. And that sums up at the end of the month. And whoever ends up having the most points ends up winning a free customized jersey from Cool Hockey you know the new adidas ones fully customized any team so you don't have to pick the ducks most popular one last year of course was a third jerseys but if you want one of the new orange adidas ones i'm rocking the uh the Reebok one but if you want the new orange thirds this year you can get that so make sure you go participate in that cool Hockey's generous enough uh every month to give us a free jersey to give away and so it's a lot of fun to run that contest it keeps people engaged throughout the month and allows them to kind of you know the ducks do their prediction challenge but it's nice to to have something to win at the end they of the don't month. Give
0: away well. a jersey though like i mean i love the ducks as much as everyone else here <laughs> but i mean we're where it's at you got to go to forever mighty on Twitter and, and check us out and follow along. And thank you to all our friends at CoolHockey.com for providing us each and every month. Um, we we are going to be chatting with them as to uh, our promo code uh, not working right now. FM twenty apparently is uh, not giving people a twenty percent discount, so we're waiting to hear back from Cool Hockey on that. We'll let you guys know as soon as it's back. But um, we got anything else, my friend? I mean, I, we have. A rant show that got posted today for you and Patreon. Our rant show, Ed and I did that. We have a Pucks and Brews show where we drink along with you guys. Uh, We let you guys join in the fun. We try to get everything going here uh, and have a good time with drinks. And so if you're into that and you want to talk more than just hockey, tune into Pucks and Brews if you're a Patreon member. If you're not, go ahead and check out our link I threw in chat and sign up. But uh, I think we're ready to go, man. I think we're good. Uh, Jason and Eddie on the mics here Thursday and Saturday. I I will be in Colorado. Jason makes his long-awaited comeback uh, from being on hiatus. Uh, We'll see about Sunday. Not sure who's going to be on the pod with that on Sunday. May it just be you good people in chat. Who knows where we'll be, but there will be a show Sunday night.
1: See you guys later.
0: Have a great one, guys.